Welcome to the 21st Century Schizoid Podcast, everyone. In a true schizoid fashion, um, last week we dealt with politics pretty heavily. This week we're going to delve into the occult a little bit, and I have Jennifer Cox here with me. Um, Jennifer's a good friend of mine. She's she's one of the sharpest people I know. She's going to tell us a little bit about the art of tarot reading, maybe a little bit about how she um, became interested with it, a little history, and we're actually going to do a little reading this afternoon, so pretty exciting. It's been a while since I've had one of these done, so I'm looking forward to a real, uh, I, don't, I think the person that did my first reading, they hadn't done one in years, so I'm interested to see how this turns out. So Jennifer, go ahead and tell us a little bit about how how you stumbled into the tarot realm and kind of what, you know, piqued your interest. Sure, yeah. Well, Cooper, thank you for having me on. I'm really excited. Um, so I first picked up a tarot deck probably six or seven years ago. Um, I watched the movie. Have you ever seen the movie The Red Violin with Samuel L. Jackson? I have never seen the whole thing, but I've definitely <laughs> seen that movie. Yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. What, what a weird Sam Jackson cameo, right? I know. It, like... He's like some kind of like investigator with like rare instruments or something like that. Is that what it is? Like, I, I don't remember his role in that. But. I don't even remember. <laughs> I just randomly caught bits and pieces of it. Yeah. So. So, yeah. So that whole movie is based around a tarot reading. And it's like the structure of the movie is built on a tarot reading that and, you know, kind of this like older woman in a community like does for this woman. And it's like it builds the whole narrative of the film. And I just remember seeing the cards being laid down and like her talking about it and in the way the movie kind of showed the tarot reading coming to life, but in a way you didn't expect. Right. That immediately grabbed my attention. I think I left that day to go to Barnes and Noble to get my <laughs> first this tarot deck right here in front of me, like my very nice. first one. Um, so I got that book and then I got or I got this and then I got a book called Tarot for Dummies. <laughs> straight up. So it wasn't like a very elegant like entry right, into this is, the this, field. <laughs> this is like late 20th century occult. And this is definitely not like Crowley going through and finding some ancient tome. No, I went out and bought no, <laughs> Tarot yeah. for Dummies. Right? At Barnes and Noble. <laughs> yeah. That's so, so apropos to our times, right? Yeah, right. So yeah, very inelegant like entry into the art. Um, <laughs> but it was really interesting. You know, I like started reading and became very fascinated. You know, I love symbols. I love mythology. I love learning new systems. Like, I think that's very, like, relevant to me is, like, you know, not to get too occult on it, but, like, it's a Capricorn. Like, I'm very into structure and right. um, different constructions of meaning and knowledge. Like, that was all super interesting to me, so, of course, it grabbed my attention right away. Um, this is also me in, uh, just to give you, like, a little context into my life at the point, so um, at the time I was dating a man, which people who know me knows that that's like really bizarre and funny. <laughs> um, <laughs> he was actually getting into it with me. But, I, you know, I grew up in like evangelical Southern Baptist, Oklahoma. You know, I lived in a community and from a family who thought tarot was definitely like the devil's work. Um, not something that I should dabble in, not something I should participate in. I remember not long after getting into it, you know, just as kind of a hobby, like a side thing. I brought a deck over to my grandmother's house and she exploded. <laughs> she said, she said, I did not contribute to your college education for you to read cards and like, you know, just kind of like really like dug into me right. on that. So as you can imagine, it wasn't something I like really shared with my family, but I was definitely exploring a side of myself at the time. And I, I used tarot to help me make sense of me splitting apart from this like very rigid, 
conservative background than I was from. Um, So I would say like a year afterward, like I came out as a lesbian. I left my boyfriend, you know, totally, you know, changed the relationship I had with my family, started going to medieval fairs and hanging out with the hippies at the incense shop. Like it was (laughs) like, you know, it was just like a very different, it was a very different shift for me. And, you know, tarot was really great because as I came to understand, it was a really great tool for self-reflection and for digging deep into the things that I had been repressing and pushing down and not acknowledging in my life. So I have tarot to thank for a lot of personal growth and sparking that like transformation in me. Um, so it's like a very near and dear thing to my heart, you know, um, really helped me do the work I needed to do to be true to myself and then to make changes in my life to get me more aligned like with what I really felt. So that's kind of like my introduction to the art. Um, I would say that after a few years of like learning it, buying more decks, you know, collecting more decks, buying different books, books by people who were actually not writing tarot for dummies, but more experts in the field, I would say. Um, Started getting more into all of that. Um, That's when I started reading uh, for money. So about three years after I had started, you know, reading regularly for my friends and like coworkers and like myself, um, I started reading once a month at the incense shop. Um, and we had a once, once a month Friday night art walk in my town, my hometown. And so during the art walk, I would be posted up in the shop and do like $10 readings for people who came by. Um, then I also got connected with a couple of ladies in the, in my hometown, through a women's collective meeting. So I started going to those two, you know, it kind of like, it, it, it kind of inter, interspersed through it, right? It started coming up throughout my life in like right. lots of different areas. So then I met a couple of ladies and they said, hey, you know, we read tarot at the medieval fair that comes to town once a year. Like we want you to read with us. Like, would you be interested going in on the booth? And then like we read. Um, so you read from like sun up to sundown for three days straight for like hundreds and hundreds of people. It's like the most exhausting thing I've ever done. You know, it's just like constant, constant, constant. Um, it is exhausting, but I remember making like my rent in like one weekend. And so that was like enough for me to be like, oh yeah, I'm totally hooked. Like, and it was really cool because I was able to connect with just like so many different kinds of people. People came from all over the state to go to this fair. And so I met just everyone across the spectrum, people who were very like, you know, if you saw them on the street, you would assume they wouldn't be interested or like wouldn't be intrigued, but then they come in and they let their guard down and they're like, you know what, I'm actually, I'm actually interested. I'm like interested in the occult or I'm interested in what this could tell me about myself. And I thought that was so cool, you know? Um, And then some people who were not, you know, this wasn't the first time they'd had a tarot reading or the first time they'd heard of it. So they were just like interested to see what I personally thought as like, you know, just like a different perspective. So that was really cool. I did that for a few years, read at music festivals, you know, just for friends. Um, One lady hired me and my friends to read at a retirement party, which was really (laughs) fun. She spent an enormous amount of money on tarot readers, which was like great for me, but like, you know, it's just what she wanted. So it was awesome. Um, It's my party and I'll do what I want to, right? (laughs) Exactly. So um, that kind of like gives you kind of a visual into all of that. Um, But then I kind of like realized that I wanted to leave my hometown. I wanted to move to Austin. Um, so I kind of scaled back from everything, focused on just like waiting tables for a long time, like really spending all of my time, like taking up extra shifts. And I was also 
um, a teaching assistant at the university that I worked at. So it took me, you know, I just like was trying to save up money and trying to work, work, work. So I like kind of put tarot aside for a while. Um, but in the meantime, I've been getting tattoos all over my arm that represent tarot cards. My grandmother was really thrilled with that as well when I showed her those, <laughs> especially the devil on my arm. But, you know. What big tattoos you have. Right. right. She was not pleased. But, um, but yeah, so then I kind of stepped aside from reading for other people as much because it was getting to be very exhausting. It wasn't very good at like setting boundaries with other people. It wasn't very good about like taking care of me and my own energy. And I started to feel the effects of that for sure. Um, so I took a step back from all of that and wanted to just really focus on myself. I put the cards away for a while. And now I, you know, come back to them like periodically, um, use them more as like a consultation method. Like one would do, you know, picking up their horoscope or, you know, going to another professional to like read runes or something like that or tai chi you know like what i ching or like whatever you want to do um it, it, it's really cool because what i was most persuaded by is viewing tarot as like a source of advice much like a friend it's like whenever you've got a problem whenever you've got an issue you seek the opinion of lots of different people typically about different things you know you don't always go to the same people for the same advice or for the same areas of life and so tarot is, is just one of those sources, like one of those friends that you can connect with, um, dig into. Um, it's very, it's a very one-sided conversation on some level because you're just having it with yourself. Um, but it usually yields really interesting things if you are open to it. And if you like, kind of like take a step back from, you know, like let the ego leave the room a little bit and just kind of like see it as it is and let the cards tell you something about yourself. I find that that is the most, for me, useful way to use the cards um, as a tool for introspection, um, clarification, you know, self-reflection, like all those things. Right. And I think that's something definitely in bringing you on I wanted to address as far as this is not like you're looking into a crystal ball and predicting futures. This is, I don't know, that's something about tapping into the unconscious aspects of ourselves and learning, you know, uncovering that, you know, elements and ideas like that. How does that maybe talk about that from your perspective? Sure. Well, I, I want to start by saying that, like, there are a million reasons, ways to read tarot. Like, tarot has a long history, you know, from, like, 14th century France. Um, and the, the genesis of tarot is, like, disputed. It's not, like, it, it may have, like, originated in, like, Italian royal court probably with um, the Romani people as like uh, another a tool for like fortune telling for like to, you know, to earn money, you know, like there's, there's a lots of different points of entry for tarot into like the, like the world consciousness, like playing cards also around the same time. Um, so I, I mean, that, that history is really interesting, but I mean, I think that like fortune telling, game playing, like all of that stuff kind of like is meshed together in tarot's history. Um, so I am open to like a lot of different ways that people view tarot. I mean, some people literally do think that putting down the cards is showing you a window into the future or is shaping the future. Um, one of my, one of like an author that I really enjoy tarot wise, Lida Angelis, talks about collapsing the future waves by reading tarot, like by doing a tarot reading. So she talks about it from like a very like theoretical perspective, which is really cool. So say 
there are you you're at a moment at a crossroads and there are at least two futures in front of you most people would say oh i've got two choices here like one road will take me this way one road will take me that way we know that it's a lot more complicated than that and she talks about it as if physics is collapsing a wave so you know when you observe a particle in physics um you determine its location so it's like the heisenberg principle right right so it's saying that um observation is what determines the location of that particle or you know collapses like the wave of possibility into a single point that is what tarot does with the future so it says like you could have walked down any number possible routes to your future but once you lay down the tarot reading and draw something from it you have already collapsed the future into fewer choices because it's going to impact you and going to influence the way you think about the situation and what influence your choices even on a subconscious level right so she talks about it in, in in a perspective of like you are telling the future by influencing you on a subconscious level um which i think is just like mind-blowing like yeah, <laughs> definitely a cool concept i'm definitely open to that kind yeah. of, i like that more i don't know it's kind of a more grounded approach but yet being open to possibility as well right. you know what i mean so and i and i want to say too that like i know that i have my biases you know i i i tend to be interested in science data right. you know like that kind of stuff so I, I take a very like kind of scientific like almost clinical approach to tarot which is not what everybody uses it for um a lot of people use it for like the emotional response that you get from it. It's like a very, it can be a very intense experience, a very spiritual experience. It can connect you with something that you don't have an explanation for. Um, and I want to leave like room and space for like all that to exist because I feel like it's all valid. Right. right. Um, and I also think that for people for whom tarot is a way that they like see into the future, either to predict it or to anticipate it, to plan for it or whatever you use it for is totally valid it's just not what i personally get out of the practice so what i like to do is to view it like so mary Kay greer another tarot author and popular reader in the 70s and 80s she popularized carl jung's uh ideas of, of tarot talking about it describing the collective subconscious which i really re it really resonates with me so we as a human species we're very different we're very culturally different we're historically different we've got very different connections to very different things from color to ritual to you know clothing to food like everything has like a specific meaning in, in every culture but there are some things that we all go through that you can more or less find commonality with like we are all born and we all die like that is like you know a guarantee um most people experience loss most people experience love you know most people experience connection with their family most people experience um you know you know, I'm thinking of a particular example of like a card where someone's like waking up in the middle of the night with their head in their hands, like in grief or like in strife or, you know, like just stressing and anxious about something. It's like, it's fair to say that a lot of people have experienced that. And a lot of people experience like joy in remembering their childhood and nostalgia. So Carl Jung talks about how the, the commonalities of all of those things means that images that can evoke those commonalities are useful for everyone to be able to use. It like helps you tap into this human subconsciousness that we're all sharing. And so she talks about it too, like it's helpful to visualize you like tapping down into a well or a river. So you are in your own well, but the water source that you tap down into is common. It's shared among all humans. And so the intuition and knowledge and realizations that come from that um, 
are really cool and like tarot is a way for you to go fishing for that information which is really i i, I like the image like you know it's really helpful <laughs> right. it's a great um, metaphor yeah so i mean i tend to use it that way i tend to use tarot as a way to get at the psyche in kind of a tricky way like around the back door kind of kind of is like a kind of way to put it so it comes from an understanding that the ego stands in the way of you getting into like a deeper sense of yourself. I mean, it's the mask we wear, you know, out in the world. It helps protect us. It's not necessarily like always a bad thing. And I think that when people hear ego, they immediately associate right. it with something negative, but it is something that's kind of required. Like, you know, you have to have, you know, some sort of tool to help you interact with the world and keep you going. I think, especially if you look at it from, kind of like a, the world that we live in now that's very like capitalist consumerist like all of these things it's very hard to like navigate that world without some sort of buffer without some sort of something um you know it is like a, a, a constantly constituting type thing you know like it's constantly influenced by your environment and then you influence it as well from your own personal perspective and then the people around you influence it it's like this constantly emerging perception of yourself um Unfortunately, like that is also like, so it's got a double-edged sword. Like, first of all, it can protect you. Um, the second part that's like harder is that sometimes people assume that the ego is the self. And so if it's ever bruised or changed or challenged in any kind of way that sparks some defensiveness and it's like, you know, an immediate like attack, like it feels like an attack on the self um, because it is partially constituted from the self. And it like, it makes sense on some level, but it can get in your way. It can get in your way from like really uncovering like what's truly and deeply inside of you. And so tarot is a way to cut through. It's a way to access the part behind the ego without the ego really knowing what's going on, which is like really cool in my opinion. Um, you know, you lay out the cards, you see the images, the colors, the scenes, you know, if you let your imagination kind of relax and kind of go into it, you, you hear the music, you smell the smells, you, you, you know, you hear the sounds, you can feel the card, like you can, you can step into the image almost. And that allows you in that relaxation, almost like a meditative state to uncover interesting, new, you know, hidden things about yourself that you wouldn't have been able to access with your ego kind of standing in the way and preventing like entry into that. And I think there are a lot of ways to get around the ego, like meditation being one of them. Um, you know, lots of different practices encourage like, you know, different kinds of activities, either physical, mental, spiritual to get around the ego. I just think tarot is like one of many. Right. Um, and it's a really cool, useful tool. Um, I think that the that people respond typically to images very like emotionally. Like it's it allows your the emotional part of yourself to like react and like engage. Um, so it allows you to like kind of work around the ego in that moment and access that subconscious to get you know to interact with it. And I can go deeper into that too if you want. Um, just a comment on maybe my interest. So I've been super into like a hardcore materialist for like decades mm -hmm. and only just in maybe the last year or so 18 months have I had opened up my mind to um, things outside of that experience mm -hmm. and you know a little bit of the occult and but I think the elements like like I said people have such a misconception about it I think and I did too so I think it's really interesting to point that you point into that tapping into sub the subconscious elements of it. And I think that's sort of what I know you and I have actually talked about sigil magic, mm -hmm. which I think is kind of a similar thing, right? It's mm -hmm. kind of, and that even is analogous to like a vision board. It's kind of like 
physically manifesting this thing and it's somehow tapping into your subconscious on a very basic and primitive level mm -hmm. that can actually, you know, be enlightening or helpful or help you uncover some element of about who you are um, that's not mediated through that ego, like you said. Um, but I'd like to hear a little bit about, I know you're very knowledgeable about the history of the cards themselves and the designs. Let's talk a little bit about that. Sure. So um, the when you think about like the tarot deck, I think that what most people see, like just like culturally that's available or like in the media, like what's available um, for what a tarot deck can look like is based on the Rider Waite Smith deck. Um, published in 1901 by U.S. Games. So this is the deck I have in my hand right now. It's It's got a series of images uh, drawn uh, by Pamela Coleman-Smith. Um, and it was directed under the, uh, like, the, the occult direction of it was directed by um, Arthur Waite. Um, and then Ryder was the editor for the deck. And it's usually called the Ryder-Waite deck, and it completely eliminates the female artist behind the deck, which really pisses me off. So I always try to talk, I always try to bring her right. into it. Um, Hell yeah, we're Revi <laughs> revising this shit. Right. <laughs> so, uh, so this deck is the one I think that most people like. If they saw it, they would be familiar with. Um, so this is a deck that uses like lots of primary colors. Um, you know, sketches of like people, um, images of like you know, kind of more uh, like occult things or like religious uh, like symbology iconography. Um, things that would have probably made a lot more sense to people who are um, in the time in which it was right. created. They definitely have more of a medieval presence, I think, or you know, mm -hmm. visual style. Definitely, definitely. For sure, like some Chaucerian Middle English type. Right. Yeah, because it's got like that feudal, that feudal vibe, right? For sure. So I wanted to just kind of pull out another one of my decks to kind of show you too. So it's really. Yeah, it's really interesting because people think of like one type of deck, but there are thousands, millions probably. You know, it's just like anyone with a computer now can create a tarot deck. Like it's not even a problem. You know, it's and they're all based off of they can be based off of different systems, but most people tend to follow the system of the Rider White Smith deck. So they'll follow generally the images, meanings, and pattern that's found in this particular deck. Um, because it's seen as kind of like the the easy standard to go off of. So, you know, you you mentioned like Aleister Crowley, you know, the tote deck. It's like, it's based on something like a totally different system. Um, it's got like different cards. I mean, it's not completely different, but, you know, it's, it's separated into um, major and minor arcana. So major being like the trump cards. And, you know, in my interpretation, like what I've uh, been educated to see those, the delineation between the two is that the major arcana represent like forces of fate like larger forces in your life that aren't necessarily under your control. Minor arcana talk about kind of the day-to-day -day action type events, events that can be influenced by your choices and willpower um, and describe like kind of people in your life, situations in your life, instances in your life, like, you know, parts of yourself, like things that are more like readily available to the self. Whereas the major arcana talk about something much larger, like human movement, politics, spirituality you know um like forces of fate like the earth you know it's like it's like much bigger than any one person so i really like that um another deck that i'm pulling out right now is one of my favorites it's it's super 70s <laughs> uh, <laughs> kind of like art deco art nouveau inspired you know it's the aquarian tarot it's beautiful very muted colors 
there are rainbows in here. There's tons of like these lily type flowers, these really like grayscale faces. Um, it's just awesome. And it just has like a bright blue background. Um, but I think this is one of my, this is one of my favorite tarot decks too, because it's got a very similar vibe yeah. to the Rider weight, but it's, it's got a different artistic interpretation. Yeah, for sure. It definitely has the element of that same kind of medieval approach, but a little bit more like the, there's less going, like it's more of a minimalist <laughs> to some degree, um, if you will. Yeah. And it's, it's too bad. I, d I could have brought another one, um, can't remember what the name is off the top of my head it's like a swedish deck that's extremely minimalist it's like inspired by like not <laughs> nautical like nautical themes <laughs> but it's got like nothing on it it's just like white drawings on a blue background so it's those damn swedes it's cool. they know their minimalism don't they they do <laughs> so um yeah, like you know, I, I collect some historical decks. I have, um, I didn't bring all of them with me today, but so I have this one and I have the Aquarian Tarot, um, which I got from like an estate sale. Um, there's another deck that I have called the Motherpiece Tarot deck, really hot in the 70s with like second wave <laughs> feminists. And the, the cards are circular, so you know, nice. they, they stand out, they're very different. They've got, you know, images drawn of like women, goddesses, you know. Uh, like women in their everyday lives, like women of all shapes, sizes, and colors. You know, it's like very um, diverse. It's like supposed to embrace like a much, a much richer view of like women in decks and not like overly sexualized. You know, it's like really cool. Um, it is, yeah, it's an interesting deck. I really like it. That was given to me by one of my um, one of my teachers in school. So <laughs> nice. I've, I've come by lots of different decks in lots of different ways. The another like really hot place to get decks these days is Etsy. Um, that's where a lot of people are, um, you know, where they've got their stuff going on. And so I like this deck um, called Idiosyncra deck um, by a girl named Amethyst. The cracked Amethyst is what her name is, I think, on uh, Etsy. And hers, these are all like computer generated, but I really love her artistic direction with yeah. it. Like I'm less fond of like, I mean, the images are like, I don't know. They're just not my favorite, but I really love like where she was going with it and like the ideas that she had. Um, it just really struck me as like really unique and interesting. There's like some whimsy there. It's like simple, really colorful. Um, it's got some images that would be more resonant with like um, contemporary life, like cups of coffee sitting on the table. Um like cups of tea intertwined to show like two lovers like you know i think that's really cute you know it's just like it's got a lot of whimsy in it trees dandelions you know like rainy scenes jewelry boxes you know it's like there's something like kind of ordinary but extraordinary in the ordinary right. about this which i like i noticed those have kind of that polygonal um maybe technique to them but mm -hmm. they still retain a little bit of that kind of muted color palette mm -hmm. to some degree and they they there's still like that feel that you get with some of the other ones you've shown me right another deck that i i got this was for a birthday present i got from one of my roommates this one's called i think it's this let me make sure i'm saying this right because i haven't really messed with it yeah slow holler um this is a like lgbt people in the south type deck um, so this was created by like multiple artists Ooh. and you're going to love it. Yeah. <laughs> I wish that everybody could see these cause they're like I so know, gorgeous, right? but to, to give you kind of like a visual on what it looks like. I mean, the, oh the color scheme is just red, black, gold, and white. Um, and there are these like gorgeous, like intricate 
images of like a moth with a torn wing and like tears coming from a disembodied eye on like a bloody background. <laughs> like it's like really awesome. <laughs> oh, that one's cool. Yeah, the hermit's just this guy in like a beanie and like a or you know, there's a person in a beanie with some shorts on and like a red background. It's really cool. Um you know, just kind of like almost like a collage type element to some of these. Ooh, that one is pretty. That's so, incredible. Death has got a, a giant flower coming up through a skull with like a locust or a, yeah, like a locust tattoo. Like a scarab kind of. maybe? Like there's yeah. some Egyptian iconography there. Yeah. And it's it's just awesome. You know, like there's so many. There's some like kind of tattoo flash type, you know, elements to some of these, which I really like. Um, so yeah, this is a gorgeous, gorgeous deck. Um Really love it. I haven't really got to play with it that much, but um, my friend knew exactly who what I'm about <laughs> by getting this. Yeah, for those me. are awesome. I hadn't seen that deck before because I know I've seen you brought some of them before. Yeah, and it came in this really cool like cloth. Yeah, that, um, things awesome. Yeah. So and it and it came with like a little like you know book too. And then uh, another deck I wanted to bring because it's so different than anything else I have is called um, the Dreaming and Color Lumen deck, where science meets spirit. Um, and this is by a woman named Mindy Summers. Really cool. Um, so this deck is computer-generated fractals with words on them. There's no images of people, plants, animals, like nothing. It's all abstract, like nothing concrete. So just to give you a visual, it's like these beautiful, like purple, green, blue, per you know, amethyst, yellow, like different colors in different fractal type images. And then there's just a word written in cursive at the bottom, like chaos or lucidity. And it's kind of got like a watery background to it or foreboding with like kind of a shadowy element to the, um, to the fractal or withdrawal. And it's got like these really intense colors, but then this like this watery scene down below. Um, so yeah, this one's like really pushes the boat out, you know, <laughs> like it's like very, yeah, different. it's like a fractal impressionistic approach yeah which i love i mean i love impressionist art like i love um that type of stuff and so this like drew me immediately um i'm pretty sure i found this one another a really great resource for people who are interested in tarot is eclectic.net it's a-e-c-l-e-c -E -E yeah <laughs> um that is a really good place because people um review decks there um they do like best of like best new releases um there are huge forums for people to discuss like from beginner to advanced like you know just tons of people on there ready to kind of get into like all the different topics and it's very interesting i really love it um i'm almost positive that they turned me onto this deck and i <laughs> bought it because of that i mean it was just it was gorgeous i couldn't help myself um that's how i kind of feel with tarot decks i'm a very impulsive shopper when it comes to <laughs> like and, and you know it, it typically only takes one card you know like if i'm looking at cards and i see one um, I remember buying the Osho Zen Tarot deck because there's a card in it called No Thingness, and it's totally black. And I'm like, I have to have this. That like, that's the sound. coolest thing. That's the coolest thing I've ever seen. Frame that one. Yeah. So, you know, it's interesting. I think that, um, like, that's how I approach, like, purchasing tarot decks. I mean, some people believe you shouldn't purchase them for your, for yourself. Like, they feel like the, the magic is kind of, like, interrupted by that commercialization, the process. Um, which I don't, you know, like I don't dismiss, but it, I don't feel like it personally is relevant to me. Right. So I've purchased decks like kind of as a collector in terms of like art, um, but also for my own personal use. The ones that I have on my arm, the tattoos that I have on my arm are based on the Art Nouveau tarot, just because I like the artistic style. I don't really read with the deck that much, but I just really love the artistic style of Art Nouveau and like liked 
the like tarot interpretation of those things and just wanted to carry them with me all the time so well they look awesome thank you i love that ted yeah appreciate it so yeah um but yeah it's really cool like tarot is like an extremely diverse deep topic i don't think that if i i think if i studied it every day for the rest of my life i wouldn't know everything there is to know about it. like there, there's no way like there's just right. no way there's so many interpretations there's so many different ways to like just to, to show you all of the decks that we've talked about like we've talked about different colors different approaches different structures to the deck you know like lumen for example doesn't have like a major and minor arcana it's just cards with images and, and words on them like there's like virtually no structure to that you know it's just emotions and right. like situations like on a card so it's so cool to see that like structure can be completely dismantled or it can be completely relied upon in a deck like you can take it or leave it like you can um and it's a very like diy sort of thing too so if you feel motivated to like create a tarot deck you know you've got art you want to share and can like you know work it in with this system like it's totally easy to do that now there's like a huge market for that i think right um there are plenty of people who are interested in purchasing tarot because they like the art um, and not necessarily because they want to read with it or feel like it's like in terms of you know the occult or spiritually like super relevant to them um but for some people like that's a really important factor so I just think that it's such a it's such a diverse field. We're so like, it's so that, that, that that's a way I think the internet has made us really lucky is that like it connects you to all right, different yeah, kinds of people and like tap into different fandoms and hobbies and whatnot. Oh yeah, and I think that for tarot it exploded it. You know, like it it was definitely becoming more popular in the seventies. Mary Kigurer was like a big part of that, um, bringing it to like a public consciousness. There's this really great picture of her that I saved. I've always like saved on my computer um, that it's just a totally black background and she's wearing all black and she's got this really long red curly hair and she's got this black table in front of her and she's got the cards out and it says, what is your, it says something like, what do the cards say about your future? You know, some kind of like tagline like that. It's very seventies, <laughs> very cool, but it's just so striking. And you can tell that like when tarot stopped, stopped becoming some like kind of scary, like, you know, satanic devil situation for people, you know, like not even to say that. And, you know, it's just, I think people latch onto those like words and feelings and emotions because they're very intimidated or afraid of um, what that can mean. And I know firsthand, like what that feels like being from like a very conservative religious background that, you know, touching a Ouija board is like, you know, you're pretty much asking for it. Like, <laughs> right? what, you know, like what the hell are you doing? So... <laughs> Um, I was definitely, I mean, this was, I, I picked the cards up after a point when I had left the church, but, um, you know, you never really completely get rid of that thought in the back of your head. Being like, God doesn't like this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can definitely re relate. I think I, you know, we've talked, I've come from kind of a sim similar background. Right. So what about what's like, so this looks to be quite a bit more, there's more cards. Uh-huh in terms of versus like a standard playing deck. So talk about maybe the little, like the minutia elements sure. of that. And I know you talked about the major and minor arcana, but tell us a little bit about more just the logistical aspects of the deck itself. Sure. Yeah. So it's, it's familiar to people in a lot of ways, like a deck of cards, because there are four suits, you know, there are a certain number of cards in each suit. And then the major arcana sit aside is kind of like a Trump deck. Like there are Trump deck included within, um, the uh within the large decks there's 78 cards 
and the minor arcana are separated into the four suits, like I mentioned, and they go from an ace, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, page, knight, queen, king. So there are four royal cards in each in each suit, as opposed to the three that we're used to. Um, so there are four suits, and I think people interpret them in different ways. But the classic way to think of the suits are um, swords, pentacles cups or chalices and um wands and so those roughly like map onto hearts clubs diamonds and uh spades so spades being the swords clubs being the wands hearts being the cups and diamonds being the pentacles okay um yeah, makes sense. and the, some people interpret some people map them differently than others but that's the way that i've been like uh, you know taught to view them um so for example i'm holding up a a card that's the nine of pentacles it shows like a woman in a garden with this like falcon on her wrist when she's got a glove so she's like obviously done like some sort of like falconry like some sort of like bird mastery um and she's like in this beautiful garden with the nine of pentacles kind of like below her there's like grapes and trees and like it looks like a very nice like italian kind of like, all right medici yeah <laughs> so and she's wearing like this beautiful gold like these beautiful gold robes with like flowers on them there's hints of red and blue you know like that's kind of like what the scene paints um so each card also like you know it has this image but it also has like an occult meaning assigned to it so arthur Waite assigned an occult meaning to every card and that's what he directed pamela coleman smith to like artistically render and so the nine of pentacles talks a lot about like mastery of uh mastery of a skill and seeing the results of that at least that's how i i mean and, and to preface all of this like this is how i interpret the cards um generally and how i remember it i used to be a lot more strict with myself and thinking i had to do it exactly the way that like the author intended it to be received and i just don't think that way anymore you know i just don't read them that way anymore some of these come from like just my own handling of the cards and like what they say to me and bits and pieces i've picked up from like different authors and like different different decks and like different readers so um i just like kind of want to preface before we get into any card meetings that <laughs> or like any way that i talk about the structure of the deck it's like comes from my own personal experience and isn't necessarily you know like anyone else's right so but yeah, so I like um, the this first card here too that we've got hold up is the sun, which is the uh, 19th card in the trump deck in the major arcana. Um, and so it's like this really beautiful image. There's like this big, beautiful, bold sun with a face on it right at the top of the card. And there's this like little child riding this horse, this little white horse with like this big, beautiful flag behind him. There's like this kind of low wall, this low stone wall with sunflowers. He's got flowers in his hair and a little feather. It's really adorable, you know. Um, it's very like jubilant and like joyous. Like this card like definitely carries with it a lot of positive energy in my opinion. But the most interesting thing about this card and, and what I've picked up from it is this kind of like low retaining wall back here. Um, this one, this little piece of the image kind of gets overlooked because it's in the background. But what I have picked up from, I can't remember which author really, you know, brought this up for me, but that low retaining wall talks about how we best experience joy when we're able to set healthy boundaries with people. And I was like, <laughs> you know, like that really blew my mind. And so now every time I see it, I can't help but think of, and, and, and that's just a, that, that association that I have with that image and the fact that a, a word like boundaries would resonate with me for this type of card is very relevant to my own personal experience. It's because I have trouble and I've had trouble in the past <laughs> setting boundaries with people. 
and you know um not it it, it comes from lots of different reasons i won't psychoanalyze myself on your show <laughs> but um but it, it's next just, episode next episode <laughs> for sure it's just to show that each person resonates with a different part of the card or a different word associated with the card so while the sun overwhelmingly for most people shows like joy happiness like all that good stuff the wall to me is where I, my, my eyes first go, where my mind first goes. And the reason why it does that is because my subconscious self knows something that my ego doesn't. You're bad at setting boundaries. Like <laughs> you need to be better at setting boundaries. And so it's trying, it's trying to poke through my veil. Like it's trying to echo behind, you know, it's trying to yell at me from behind the wall and saying like, hey, pay attention to this, you know? <laughs> so I think that's the coolest part of tarot is that if you like kind of quiet yourself down and listen for that inner voice, it's going to tell you a lot about yourself. So um, like what the reader can do for you is kind of like set, set the stage and like set the tone and start throwing out those words to get your subconscious to react. And then your job as the, as the person getting the reading is to, you know, quiet yourself down and be open and receptive to that internal realization or that internal discussion that starts happening. Um, I think tarot is the conversation starter. I also read a book from Mary Kay Greer who says tarot is a mirror it reflects back at you what's already inside. You just have to engage in conversation to uncover it. Um, and so it, it very much focuses on the process rather than this card will tell you everything you need right. to know. You know what I mean? It's almost like a Rorschach test kind yeah. of perspective, I would say. Mm-hmm. But I'm not the expert. <laughs> no, I think that it's like a totally fair like comparison. I mean, Carmen was a psychologist. You know, like he he's referencing tools like this in terms of like a very like western way of looking at the mind and the psyche and it's like and he's trying to bring in these like kind of like eastern perceptions of it to try to like disrupt like that view of the mind and like the view of the spirit and the view of the ego which i think is like really fascinating and he that's why he was so in tarot like he thought that it was like a really cool way to get in there um and uh rorschach kind of relies on the same thing it's use the image the image doesn't tell you what you need to know. What you do in response to the image tells you what you need to know. Um, how you react, what you say, like what emotions it brings up for you. Um, like that's that's the that's the reading. Like that's the most important part. You know, like that's the that's the meat of the thing. Um, right. Which I think people walking into a tarot reading, at least with me, like I always try to prepare them. It's just like that's not what I'm about to do. Like I'm <laughs> not about to tell your mom's gonna die tomorrow. Like that's not what this is. You know, <laughs> like. Um, and that's like the biggest fear I think that people have. Like, I remember when we were just talking about this at work and several people, when I mentioned that I was doing this podcast, they were just like, oh my God, well, what do you do? What do you do if, <laughs> if you pull like the death card? Like what, like, what do you even do? Like, what do people say? Like, how do you even handle that? And I'm just like, why are you? And then I immediately flipped on them. I'm like, why are you afraid of the death card? Like what, what's there? You know, <laughs> like, we just like, <laughs> let's unpack this. Yeah. Right. Like, <laughs> I mean, I don't blame anybody. I mean, death is like kind of a scary thing, but I mean, I have it tattooed on my arm for a reason. It's not just about death of the physical body and like leaving everything, you know, behind. It's also like in terms of tarot, I think people really try to hedge their hedge themselves as readers and just say like, Oh, death doesn't mean a physical death. Like, don't worry about it. It's like, well, sometimes, yeah, it does mean a physical death, but like, it also means the death of a relationship or the death of a habit, the death of a pattern, like the death of a version of your ego that you're leaving behind, a death of a former self. Um, it can mean the death of a lot of things. It can right. mean decay. Like it can mean 
um, like neglect to the point of you know withering away um like it can mean so many different things it it completely relies on context like you can't just look at the one card and see death and be like oh i gotta i gotta leave you know like (laughs) like that's it it's just like if you don't want to sit there and like wrestle with the context and uncover like what kind of anxiety are you experiencing right now it's like i think that 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 informs like my larger philosophy towards life it's like i i do not want to be okay with not knowing why I feel something or why I'm doing something. I don't think it's okay to let myself off the hook and just say, you know, for the most part, like, oh, you know, like, that's just me or like, that's just whatever. It's like, well, where did that come from and why? And like, why do you allow it to, you know, it's like, can you change it? Like, interact with it. Like, you have to, like, it's just like, I I don't accept anything less than, you know, a a large level of personal responsibility with stuff like this. And so that's why I like tarot is because it reminds you that you have more, like some things you do or don't have control over, but you do have to interact at the very least with your impulses and your biases and like, you know, what prompts you to do the things you do. And if it's not your values, then what is it? So it's like, you know, kind of encourages like a very deep conversation about the self, which I'm really, <laughs> really into. But of course, terrifies a lot of people and myself, you know, like not to say it right. doesn't, but those dark corners of the, uh, of your own subconscious and mm-hmm. what's driving you and whatnot. Exactly. Was there anything else in terms of history or lore or that you wanted to express before we jump in, we jump in, you know, head first into I mean, a reading? I think we should just jump into the reading. All right, well, let's do it. Let's right. get started. So who knows, but you know, just, just a pre or I don't know, maybe a warning here. (laughs) Who knows what kind of shit is going to come out of my head? It'll be interesting. (laughs) I don't even know. Right. Well, I hope that all of this, (laughs) all of us talking, you're going to hear lots of tarot cards shuffling and clacking on the table. I hope that's okay. It's a very, uh, sense. That's a, that's definitely, it's a great sound effect. Right. Um, There was no Foley artist (laughs) involved in this production at all. Right. So, So, um, just to kind of give the listeners, uh, uh, visual of what's going to happen or like a kind of a program of what's going to happen. So with tarot readings that I do, I think that we should spend a lot of time uncovering what it is you want to know. Okay. Um, and part of that is the best thing you can do when you approach a tarot reading is to have a question. And it's hard for me to tell you what a good question is on the surface because it's like very relevant to like, it, it's very personal. Um, but it tends to not just be a yes or no question. It also tends not to be a vague question. So specific, um, and especially about things that you want to know about yourself or about your behavior or patterns or like seeking perspective and seeking advice, like approaching tarot in that way in terms of a question is okay. like you'll get the best, the most out of it. Okay. So yeah. if you want to just kind of start throwing stuff out at me, let's refine your question. Hmm. So I definitely, I feel like I do have a lot of anxiety over death and finances and my future and finding, I guess, a, a sense of peace or does that, I know that's very broad. Right. Yeah. But I know you can help me. Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> push me, push me into the specific. I'm definitely, I'm having a hard time well, it seems like pairing the, that down. It seems like the goal if I'm hearing, what I'm hearing from you is that the goal is peace, like finding right. peace of some kind. And it seems like there are some things that are causing you to find trouble locating peace, death and money being, or death and finances being two of them. But I think we should pick one or the other okay. and kind of go deeper into 
that. So whatever one you feel. All right. Well, let's it. I let's do death. That is my biggest preoccupation. I think. Okay. In my life, honestly, is my is my end and yeah. in dealing with that and my anxiety over non-existence. Okay. <laughs> Even though, like, I know that it's you know. It's coming. It's coming. <laughs> yeah. um, but I just cannot. I don't know. There's kind of like it's like that you're running around trying to figure out how do I how do I escape this trap? Okay. And maybe that's my problem is thinking of it as a trap or, you know what I mean? Right. So trapped in the, this mortal coil. I'm, I'm <laughs> right. I'm, anxiety, I guess really the, the root is more so, now that I think about it, is anxiety over the unknown. You know what I mean? Okay. So there's like a big part of death that feels like unknown for you. It feels like it's inescapable. Um, and... You're on a on a train towards it, and you can't get right. on. Right, exactly. And that causes him anxiety. It inhibits you from being able to feel peace. Right, is and that what I'm hearing? Absolutely, because I'm so focused on the future, and I'm not living in the moment. Okay. I am not embracing this moment right now. Okay, it's like the focus is always elsewhere. All right, which I think is an unfulfilling way to live your life. Yeah, and I think that definitely increases that anxiety that I'm talking about. Right. So the really interesting thing, Cooper, about what you're saying is that it sounds like you've already, you're already pretty clear in your values. Like you think that it would be more fulfilling to live in the moment than it would be to be anxious about an unspecified death block. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Um, it also sounds like you're pretty like you're aware, at least intellectually, that death comes for all. There's nothing we can do about that. Um, so it sounds like what you may want from the cards, and correct me if I'm wrong, is strategies or perspective to help you ground yourself in the moment and something to hold on to when you start to feel like you're the anxiety is pulling you yeah into that's the future. i think that's yeah wow <laughs> that's perfect actually sweet let's get into it then so we'll go ahead and do like a, a a 10 card spread called the celtic cross um i'm gonna preface this too by saying i haven't done one in a while so i'm sure that like my interpretation of like the positionality of the cards is like not what most people who are familiar with her would agree with but i'm just gonna roll with it like we're gonna like yeah, kind of break this down and like get creative so. that's the whole idea behind behind this thing behind that podcast and right. whatnot, and having <laughs> you on definitely so Sweet. i'm excited to get started i know we've, we've been talking about this for over a year now right so it's awesome <laughs> it really is fortuitous actually that everything came together to where this was i feel like the perfect way to do this yeah to be honest definitely i'm excited so what i'll have you do is i'll have you cut the cards and then i'll deal from the one that you choose. All right, now tell me which pile I should deal from. Let's go with this one. Okay, perfect. I so, went with the taller. The taller one. <laughs> the taller of the two. Total size queen. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> so just to clarify, like what we're looking for in this reading is strategies and tools to help ground you in the moment when you feel yourself becoming anxious about things in the future that are uncontrollable like death. Is that where we're at? Yeah, absolutely. Sweet. So I'm going to lay out the cards. We'll take a second and look at them. Okay. And then I'll ask for some of your reactions and then I'll start, we'll start kind of telling the story. We'll get the narrative to come out of the cards. Does that sound okay. good? Okay, yeah. All right. All righty. Let's just kind of sit with them for a moment.
got some thoughts on that. <laughs> what, I, what I think is really funny and is that the wheel of fortune is kind of the center of this, <laughs> <laughs> which really taps into how I feel about being caught up in that wheel of like, <laughs> I'm just being dragged forth by that wheel of fortune. Right. And, you know, it's spinning and wherever it lands is, uh, you know, then I've got to deal with the fallout from, from that. And I think it's interesting, too, that a lot of the cards, I think, tie into that. Because I can't tell, is that ten, the Ten of Swords? This one? Or this, no, this one over this here. This is the Ten of Swords. This is the Ten of Wands. Yeah. I think that imagery on the Ten of Swords in particular. Why do describe it for everybody? <laughs> so it's got a, um, someone, it looks to be, is laid, laid on the ground and they've got, 10 swords piercing them and i don't know is that a river next to that i can't tell i mean it looks like a river of blood to me but yeah could be wrong. <laughs> so we've got a black background we've got some i don't know what the maybe a cloudy or stormy sky mm -hmm. and then he's definitely got a river of blood kind of emanating from those wounds yeah <laughs> That's kind of how I feel in this journey with the Wheel of Fortunes. I've been stabbed <laughs> <laughs> I've been repeatedly by life, so to speak. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's also interesting that is this, I'm guessing this is the six, six of swords, six of swords too, which looks like a ferryman. And I can't tell he's got, does he have, is that a cloaked person or is that just a bundle? What do you think? Um, it kind of looks more like a bundle, but at, at first glance, it looked like maybe there was someone wearing a, a cloak or something like that, that he's, it's a very, like a ferryman image is what I get out of that one right. quite a bit. I think a word that's associated with this card is refugee. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> also appropriate, I think, in the whole uh, motif that we're going, this whole idea behind death and, and whatnot. Right. Let's see. The moon stands out as well. Okay. What is this? The. I mean, the moon, I think, is often associated with kind. Of, you know what I mean? It's like there's a, there's a supernatural. There's lunacy. Mm -hmm. There's madness. Right. And that definitely, I feel like there's an element of that in my personality as well. So I find that another interesting. You know, those are the cards that really are jumping out to me. Okay. So I would say like the Wheel of Fortune, the Ten of Swords, the Six of Swords, and the Moon are all kind of like immediately coming out. Yeah. And I mean, the em Empress too, it's harder to um, to define it in words on how how that means anything. Um, Any kind of feelings or immediate like associations? Like if you just had to throw out a word immediately? I guess it... Uh, it definitely evokes kind of a maternal image there and which kind of ties in. I don't know. I don't have, uh, I didn't spend a lot of time with my mother growing up as a kid. Uh, since my parents were divorced, I didn't live with her. Mm -hmm. So that, that's kind of where that, what that image pushes me to. But I think the others are definitely more evocative than that one, but that's probably like the next tier right. in terms of what really just grabs my attention. Awesome. So I think that you've already thrown out a lot of really awesome things that I'll like 
kind of inter like I'll kind of bring into the cards as I talk to you about their meaning and like let's just like kind of build on that foundation like let's just go okay. layer by layer and see what's up so the first card in the reading is the one that uh represents you in this situation and we've got justice <laughs> um and so to give you kind of like a very quick overview of what this card is referenced to I mean it's like literally what it's about like justice like the forces of good and evil keeping things in balance um it can in take into a negative extreme like retribution and revenge um in its most positive it can be seen as you know like you know accountability um making sure that everything is in balance and in order um like it can go between those two extremes and so i think that that might say something about where you are in turn and so like let's bring it back to your question in terms of like how to keep you grounded when you're feeling pulled every which way by your anxiety about the unknown, especially about like ending like death and like things like that in the future. Um, like something that grounds immediately in this image is like creating, um, creating a balance, um, like finding balance in ways that you can and like grounding you in that way. And I think that grounding you to a sense of, um, knowing that like, I don't know, it, it might speak to like feeling like you worry about dying before wrongs can be righted. Um, you might worry about dying before being able to like, you know, accomplish something like, you know, like there, there's something about um, like death maybe coming before something can be done about either an injustice, like revenge need to be taken or righting wrongs that you've committed. You know, it's like, it can go either way. Right. So I'd love to hear more about what you think. Hmm. I don't know. I'm not getting a lot. Um, in terms of the justice element, that's kind of a, I mean, that put, that pushes me off into a totally different, that's pushes me into like my interest in being a sort of a warrior for justice mm -hmm. and liberating people. Right. And that kind of justice, it doesn't really evoke the same feelings as the other cards do. Right. I wonder now that you mentioned like liberation and something that 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 speaks to like a value system right, right. Like that speaks to something that's important to you um maybe something that would keep you grounded is knowing that you've got this like bigger vision um ahead that like death and life really are immaterial when it comes to like commitment to a vision and commitment to like the world that you want to live in and you want others to live in um i think of like liberation is something that a lot of people are willing to die for um, like a, a cause that is so much greater than themselves and so rooted in what's right that death becomes very minimal and very minor in comparison. Does that resonate at all? Yeah, I think so. That's definitely, uh, there's an element of that. I think there's, I almost feel like the, the first thing I thought of when with the justice card, um, honestly, was like, was like vigilanteism, mm -hmm. <laughs> like Batman, right. honestly, was kind of <laughs> as cliche as that sounds, but right. that's kind of like the first, that's like what jumps out at me. Right. So let, let, maybe let's put him off to the side and see if he can come back into play. Like okay. if he, if, if something kind of emerges from that. And I want to okay. say too, that not every card is going to come up with some sort of like revelation for you, but sometimes right. they contribute things to other cards okay. that kind of yeah. elevate something for you. I think that you were right on by pulling on the wheel of fortune and I don't know, from my perspective with this card, since it's tilted to the side and I'm looking at it from the from the reader's perspective. So when I say that cards are reversed or not, that means they're upside down from my perspective, not okay. from your perspective. That makes sense. Right. So the Wheel of Fortune is one that's going to be upside down for neither of us because it's laying on, this, on its side. 
But do you see the little critter that's underneath the wheel of the Wheel of Fortune? It does seem, from my perspective, like he's getting pulled, you know, around. Yeah. You know, it seems right. like... Exactly. It seems... <laughs> As opposed to like, you know, if we could see the Sphinx on top being like a master of change, you know, like being a master on this like wheel that's like going, this little critter guy over here seems like he's very much at the behest of, right. of which, change. Which absolutely <laughs> resonates. Um, I mean, that, yeah. Yeah. It's like you're you're on this hamster wheel and you can't get off and we're going to be on it until we die. Like, it's like, <laughs> yeah, it, right. it, it's got that vibe to it. So I think that it's so interesting that that card, it, because this card is usually talking about what crosses you, like what's bothering you, like what's keeping you up at night is that you're, you are having this existential moment where you're like, look, I see the, my existence for what it is. Like I'm on this train that I can't get off of that no one can get off of really. And so it's like, how does one stay grounded or unburdened, you know, in, with that realization in the meantime, like while we're living our lives, it's like, I think we all experience this. I've definitely experienced this where, you know, you feel the wheel going, you feel like you have zero control over it. Um, and the realization in and of itself is a burden. Like, right, yeah, you absolutely. Know it, and it's so hard <laughs> to when other people around you don't seem to yeah. and you're just like, Right. Are we on the same it's page very, <laughs> It definitely feels like a lonely path. Absolutely. Right. And and to go straight to what is kind of going on in your subconscious, the Ten of Wands, like this is very much like a beast of burden type of card. Like he <laughs> is overwhelmed by his task. <laughs> his head's down. You know, he's got a bundle of sticks. Like that's what this card's all about. Um, you know, he's he's carrying that. It it also speaks to like oppression, you know, like it's it's talking about like the weight that that has on the mind and the spirit and the heart and the body, you know, um, it is exhausting. Um, and I think that that it speaks to like this, like level of exhaustion that you're experiencing that maybe needs to, um, be explored in, like a new way. Yeah. That, that absolutely resonates for sure. Especially mm -hmm. <laughs> the abundant, the abundance of the wands that he has he's definitely struggling. Right. Yeah. And <laughs> he's just like got his arms. That's a great it. metaphor, honestly. <laughs> So yeah, this like, when I've talked about like being, you're, you, it seems as though you are burdened like by this realization, like you're burdened by like not only tacitly accepting that like death is inevitable, but also like knowing every day, like, you know, it, 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 even if it's conscious or subconscious, it's like coming through right, for yeah. you. So the most interesting thing is that this 10 of swords card, the one with the sword stabbing the guy in the back, you know, dead on the ground is reversed which is really interesting it speaks to an opportunity to unstick these swords from your back um and i do want to say too that like there's a lot of minor arcana cards like going on over here um especially ones that resonate to me in like a positive type of way in terms of like personal action right and so when i see that it doesn't seem to be that like a force of fate's going to come through and like help you figure this out it's going to be through your choices which is you know kind of freeing at some point because you're like well great like i can do the work to get me there, which, which feels cool. Um, like the 10 of swords being reversed for me is positive. It, it speaks to, um, like an opportunity to pull those out, but also warns against laying repose on the floor, ready to have them just pushed back in, <laughs> right. you know? Yeah. Um, so it says like, yes, remove the swords from your own back, but also get off the floor. Like <laughs> it's like that kind of, it, it, it for me encourages that type of, viewing it okay what do you think yeah i think that makes sense it's kind of interesting too to see the opposition of that with um i'm guessing this is the five of swords yeah because this 
gentleman. He's got two swords in his hands, and there's a couple on the ground, and then he's holding one. He's he's forward-looking. Um, there's This one feels positive that feels hopeful, like there's action to be taken like there you know what i mean like i'm i can address this foe or what have you that's so it's so interesting you see that cooper because that card is in the position of hopes and fears and you mentioned the word hopeful the other interesting thing about this card is it's a card about deception uh, <laughs> so it just we'll, deceived me yeah we'll, no we'll get there we'll, <laughs> we'll get there we'll get there um but i like hold on to that Put okay in that yeah. i think it's good i think it's good so the ace of pentacles is what is above you and this is like talking about like intellectual influences, cosmic influences. If we think of the body as like a top down kind of metaphor, this is what's bubbling under the surface with okay. the 10 of wands. This is what's coming through the top. Um, so the ace of pentacles, the aces are always great. They're like the cha-ching lottery <laughs> cards. They're like, yeah, yes, you got it. You know, <laughs> and the ace of pentacles, it's the biggest pinnacle in the deck. It's a giant coin with a disembodied hand above a beautiful garden. You know, like there's like awesome things going on in this, but it being reversed to me speaks to um uh, either like a like unacknowledgement of either like talents or gifts or um you know just like an inability to see them um the ace of pentacles is one of those cards that i think light angeles refer i think it's light angeles refers to as like doorway card because there's a doorway that goes into like a another world this is another this uh six of swords is another doorway card you've got so many of these in your reading which i think is like really interesting um because they show some it's like we're going somewhere else like the card speaks to like another world within the card that you can like step into like there's like a like room for that in the card like visually so if you for for people who don't have the image in front of them there's like this like beautiful kind of garden with this like little trellis like kind of like a you know, a little spot to walk through and there's like this beautiful mountain scene like right behind it. Very small, so you know it's in the distance, but it's something that, you know, if you stepped into the garden, you would see a totally different perspective. Right. Um, so I think that with it being reversed, like the Ace of Pentacles is a lot about like, you know, material gifts, you know, being rewarded with like things that like, um, you know, stuff that's important to like living your daily life, like you know, having enough money to pay your bills and buy your food, like being able to, you know, get yourself from point A to point B, having friends, having nourishment, having a roof over your head, like, you know, like that type of stuff, like kind of the basic needs, but right. also, but also like it speaks to me to be kind of things that you can like hold in your hand and saying like, this can help me. This is a tool that can help me. Like some kind of manifestation um, of not just like a, mental emotional or spiritual tool but like a physical tool um so i'm not really sure where we're gonna go with that quite yet but like it's like encouraging and i don't know it's like pulling those things out in me as a reader so like i think it's something worth okay considering. Yeah, definitely i think that element of going into another world like that definitely is something that resonates too on just a it's kind of a parallel mm-hmm. of like i think i there's just part of me that my imagination is super intense Mm -hmm. and so I think there's an escape into this other world of of imagination of pure imagination yeah (laughs) I mean to make a joke but it's also very true like that is definitely an element I think of my personality that I highly identify with is um accessing this other otherworldly or whether it be knowledge or experience or something like that that's something that um, definitely is is a an obsession of mine. I would say. 
So I think that's kind of interesting. It is interesting. And I think it's interesting too, that there are so many doorway cards in a reading about your anxiety about death. <laughs> because like literally some people think that death is just the door to a right. totally different experience and like a totally different world, be it heaven or oneness with the universe or a different life, you know, like it, I think that there are a lot of different possibilities there. I wonder how you feel about those possibilities. I mean, I'm pretty agnostic. I'm open to, so I, I don't know if I would, you know, agree with the idea of a Judeo-Christian afterlife. I like, I don't, I don't really think that, but I mean, there's definitely some type of possibility. I think there is something whether it be just symbolically of the body dying, getting reabsorbed into the earth and the universe, and then, you know what I mean? But I don't know. I can't really articulate anything else mm -hmm. beyond that, really. Right. I think that, um, well, I think that it's, like, worth considering in this reading that there's so okay. many, like, doorway cards into, like, another realm, into another world, because I think that other realm or other world can help you now, like to ground you, like you can pull things from the other world to, to hang out with you in this current one. And also, I mean, I don't know, I, I consider myself the same, like pretty agnostic, you know, like pretty, like I have no idea like what's gonna happen when I die. I'm <laughs> fairly certain nothing will happen, right. but like, I'm, I'm like, who am I to say that that's gonna be true? So, um, but sometimes, to hedge against anxiety, like imagining that like something else could happen can be exciting or like thrilling yeah. or interesting. It can, it can push you away from an anxious feeling into more of a curiosity type feeling, which could be more helpful. You know, like if you just think about like anxiety can sometimes be a helpful emotion, but sometimes really not most right. of the time, really not. Yeah. It's more like paralyzing, I think. Right. And so if you find that anxiety does that for you, instead of like being a motivating force, it's a paralyzing force then I would focus on like what things could I do or think about to channel the energy behind the anxiety into something like curiosity, which is much more productive and like much less like fills you with strife, you know, like, right. much, like much more enjoyable. So let's get on with it. We'll kind of pull this back into. Okay. So the seven of pentacles is the next card and it talks about like, kind of like what you need to like settle down and do right in the moment to help you with your quest. And he is all about, or sorry, this is the uh, eight. I'm like, no, what am I talking about? The eight <laughs> of pentacles. I can totally read, I promise. Um, so to paint a picture of what this guy is up to, he's got his little hammer and a little chisel. He's got kind of a worker's smock on. It's kind of like artistic, kind of like a metal worker type of situation. He's on a bench. There's a pentacle on the ground. There's one right in front of him that he's working on. And then there's one, two, three, four, five, six along like kind of this like wooden plank like right in front of him. So it looks like he's been, he's honing his craft. He's, he's doing the work. He's just getting down there. And there's, there's a, I like this card because there's like a meditative component to this type of work. Like, you know, I, um, I used to be a waitress and I really liked that job because there is a meditative quality behind doing the same kind of routinized motion every day. And so once you put on like autopilot mode, it leaves your mind free to like do lots of different things. Um, so I wonder if that's what he's got going on for him there. It's like, yes, he's focused on his work, but then his higher self is, has the opportunity to like, kind of be free and unencumbered. Um, with the ego's not in the way, you know, it's like a moment for the ego to like, kind of calm down, and quiet down. Um, and it's also an opportunity to 
create something physical that has physical tangible results um like putting work into something that you can see the results of like right away i wonder how that's feeling for you um definitely honestly honestly the first thing that comes to mind is honestly working on the podcast Mm -hmm. is sort of that's kind of what this image reminds me of or brings to mind first is is working on that because i am like i do consider myself to be an artist Mm -hmm. whatever like i know that sounds super pretentious but in terms of my mindset about how i conduct my life and the way that i think i conduct that's how i conduct myself right you know what i mean so yeah it sounds like the podcast um as a craft is something that you're like learning a lot about and you're like putting a lot of effort to into that it might be an opportunity for you to like hedge against some of the things that keep you grounded. You know, like that's like a thing that would keep you grounded. Like there's so many pentacles also, and they're all, or just maybe there's so many pentacles. There's just two, but like they come, they're, they're popping out at me. They're my favorite suit. They're associated with like my energy, my birthday and all that good stuff, because it's all about like staying connected and grounded to like reality right here and right now. And it's like, while I think that, you know, like art, manifests itself in reality and it's something that's usually characterized like artistic and like you know artistic impulses or like thought patterns or like whatever is talked about in a very like abstract like internal personalized type of way but like most people externalize their art in some way like either by painting or sculpting or music or like whatever they externalize it and so you know creating even like something digital is something physical you know like if you think about it that it's material um it is it is something that is perfected and honed by craft, um, which seems to me to be like kind of one of the main anchor tools in this reading for you. Yeah, I, I think definitely self-expression creating is something that highly resonates. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm obsessed with it, honestly. So. All right. So this is like kind of talking about the self, the body, the mind, like the that kind of stuff. And then this is we start getting into emotional things and also okay. future predicting things so like that that potential like lies in this kind of like line of cards so okay. for, for people who can't see it there's a kind of like piece of the reading on the left side that's five cards laid up in like kind of a cross type of grid with one um kind of perpendicular over the middle card and then to the right there are four cards in a vertical line um so at the beginning of that line it talks about the environment in which you are present um, and the Empress talked about, you know, it's very, it is very maternal associated. Like there's pomegranates all over her dress. There's the Venus shield. There's a beautiful running river. There's wheat fields. And, you know, it's all about fertility, all about growth. You know, it's like all about like nurturing the seeds that you've already laid to grow. And to see the Empress upside down might mean that you're not in the most nurturing environment, either mentally physically or spiritually and that something needs to give you know like something's gotta something's gotta change something's gotta move um the empress is a really powerful card because she talks about like that that nurturative force that's a part of your life that you know it's like i don't know if you feel this way too but for me there are like long stretches of time where i don't create anything and i feel really stuck and stagnant and kind of bored with myself and like i can't make anything happen And then you just enter into this one little, something clicks. And then all of a sudden you're producing like crazy amounts of stuff. You're inspired all the time. You know, it's just like everything, like there's romance and everything. There's something and everything. Like 
I think that she's really good about talking about how you can't force that mindset. Like you can't force that attitude or that like set of conditions like being right. It's like something that you have to be open and receptive to so that when it comes, you can take full advantage of it. And right. Jump right in. Huh. How does that sound? I think that definitely resonates in the, like I'll go again. It sounds stupid, but to the podcast, it's like an outlet that I just one day kind of had a eureka moment. I was like, why don't I do this? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, why haven't I been doing this? This is the perfect outlet for me right. to express some element of myself and kind of scratch scratch the itch of producing something, even if it is relatively passive. It's it's something that I can, you know, get that. Because it's like I have these things in my head and it, <laughs> it's just kind of like they drive, they almost drive you mad mm-hmm. if you don't get them out. Right. And I haven't, I've been holding them all back for years and years. Yeah. So this podcast is the first manifestation of the, me getting the ideas out finally. Mm-hmm. Um, but hopefully not the only one. Right. So I think that it's, it's important for you. This card to me says that you, like continue creating the conditions for like your art to manifest and also like be aware of like when that ebbs and flows because it's always an ebb and flow. Um, and the anxiety about death could also be that like, you know, you're going to get cut short before you have the opportunity to like fully express yourself. Uh-huh. And like, cause you keep bringing up self-expression. It sounds like self-expression is something you really want to leave your mark on before you go. And right. like, she is all about like creating the conditions and being open to the conditions where that stuff can flourish and happen. And the seeds that you plant can like actually come into something. Yeah. So I think that's what she's saying to you in the moment. I think you totally nailed it. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So I think that the Six of Swords, I'd kind of like flip the interpretation from that, from just what we've done with the Empress, that he's really encouraging, like, push the boat out, man. Like, <laughs> you know, he's like literally got a, got his little stick and he's pushing this boat with like this kind of covered woman and child and there's six swords in the boat with them. Um, I mean, it, it is usually like kind of a grim kind of card, <laughs> you know, it, it looks grim, but they're going to a new place. Like they're, they're going to a new land, new land of opportunity, like new, um, free from the stuff behind them. I mean, she's carrying that burden with her. Um, but I think it might be an opportunity to pull them out, you know, like, like the tennis swords, like pull them out of your back and set them aside. If that feels yeah, that, relevant. Yeah. That feels, that feels relevant and cohesive to the whole. It's nice. And it, it's really funny because the, the five of swords, like, you know, um, in the position of dealing with like hopes and fears, I think that it's really interesting because it is sometimes like most of the time considered like a card of deception, um, because it looks like he's taking those guys, there's two guys kind of walking into like kind of a beach scene, almost like a watery scene. And then there are a couple swords in the ground and he's got a few in his hands and he's looking at them kind of like, they don't know he's taking them. Um, that's kind of like the vibe that most people get from this card. Um, Maybe that's, I don't know, like, let's just get into this one because I don't really know where it's pushing or pulling me in any one way or the other. Um, there's always a wild card in the reading where it's like, <laughs> does it like make sense or does it yeah. not? It doesn't have to, but like anything that's coming out at you, because you mentioned something a lot more positive with this one. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause it, the way that I was looking at it, he was sort of looking forward um, and kind of a positive element, but I see what you're saying. He does like, you can definitely see that kind of like 
I don't know, like a jester type. Like there's a like a smirk on his face mm-hmm. to some degree. But I don't know. So he's got the other two blokes there in the background. One is got his head in his hands to some degree or yeah. something like that. It almost speaks to like maybe like a fight has been lost, you know, or some kind of like a test of wills or like a battle of honor. You yeah. know, like it's, it's got a very medieval vibe to me. Oh, yeah, definitely. Hmm. Try to reinterpret this thing. <laughs> well, we can also set it aside too. I mean, I'm. N- it's not really evoking anything from me right now. Yeah. Like, I, nothing really is coming in my head. Well, let's from the card. Let's put him down, and when we come okay. to talk about the reading in general, maybe he'll come gotcha. through. Okay. So the moon is like so exciting to be at the pinnacle of the card because this is the card position that talks about the outcome. Um. So. The moon being the outcome is so cool because <laughs> moon's one of my favorite cards. Um, I mean, it talks like from an occult perspective more generally, like you see the wolf and the coyote and the crab like coming or the like, uh, what is it? Lobster like coming out of the ocean. Um, these are talking about like the primitive animal parts of our brain, like coming, like emerging from, emerging from the water, emerging from the night to be present. Um, Everything looks different in moonlight, which is like, um, you know, what we see during the day with the sun can look very different in the moon. It's like a, it's like a new light source that provides a totally different, different perspective on ordinary things. Like you walk outside and see your house in a totally different way. Something that looks very warm and welcoming, inviting, can at night be mysterious or menacing or, you know, interesting in a different way. The moon brings new light to so many things. It also speaks to relying on more of an intuitive part of yourself um, and more of a primal part of yourself, more of a, like a deeper part of your brain, a deeper part of your body and a deeper part of your psyche. Um, one that's not kind of cultivated and refined by society, but one that's still primitive internally and still primal internally, still governed by, um, you know, like the animal part of your brain, the lizard part of your brain. Like I, I've read a lot of stuff talking about this card that the the crustacean in particular talking about, like we have as humans been every, you know, like we've been lots of different things. Like over the course of our evolution, um, our brains, our bodies have picked up little bits and pieces from each component of evolution. Um, it's only that kind of forebrain that's like got this like amazing decision-making capacity and judgment-making capacity that, that separates us as humans on some degree, not by a degree of, of um not by kind but by degree i think is like how darwin put it yeah um so all of that's kind of like wrapped up in this card for me um so i don't know if any of that's like interacting at all with like what you're thinking or how you're feeling i know that when i talked about like the moon being intuitive that kind of like got a reaction from you i'm wondering how that's feeling i mean i feel in terms of i mean my horoscope and whatnot like you know i'm a i'm a scorpio mm-hmm. Um, I think that intuition is, you know, typically something very strongly associated with the Scorpio. And I definitely feel like I have that uh, to some degree. Intuition is something that strikes me all the time. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of what piqued my interest when you mentioned that aspect. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't even notice the the lobster coming out of the water. Mm Mm-hmm. I was more focused on the two coyotes or wolves sort of howling at the moon, Mm -hmm. which also is sort of, I think, that unrestrained element 
that primitive element that you're talking about inside of us or inside of myself. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what, what the card's drawing from. Like, these are the things that are coming into my head, stream of conscious when I'm looking at it. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, I love the, like, I love how you can see. This is another one of those, like, window cards because you know, the crustaceans like emerging out of the ocean and there's a yellow path in front of him that kind of like curves and bends and like goes off into the distance into the mountains. Like you've seen that before, like in other, these other cards, like there's like mountains in the distance, there's another land, like off, off page, like off scene, you know, like there's like a, like there is another land like that you're going into. So I think that it's like overwhelmingly like reminding you that like, there's not only like a whole nother world internally, but like, death is like an event and not an end like that's how i like to there's another world there can be yeah like there's like a whole nother world out there we have no idea so it's like you being open to that openness is a great way to hedge against anxiety like openness and curiosity are like kind of the polar opposites of anxiety because anxiety dictates like fear and control it's like i want to i'm afraid therefore i must control like what's happening yeah all of these cards are saying like no be open be curious be moved by impulse be um be open to inspiration striking from working on your craft like unburden yourself like with these two cards like be open to like the fertile like creative uh periods of your life like i think that this overwhelmingly is saying that um to me anyway the best way, the best tools to use against this anxiety that you have are the openness and curiosity you're already you're already cultivating with your craft. I mean, that's like kind of like the central message that I'm getting out of this reading. Okay, yeah, that definitely makes that makes a lot of sense. It speaks to me certainly because uh, yeah, that creative, like I said, that creative drive is it's just something. It's like I don't know if you can relate at all. Just it's something. It's like it's like a baby that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's like an alien that just wants to burst out of your chest. You right. like have this, these feelings bottled up inside that you can't express in any, any other way than through right. the, you know, releasing those subconscious emotions or thoughts or desires or what have you. Right. And I think you've already found a great channel for those in doing like the podcast and stuff like that. Um, I think that this also reminds you that like self-expression is stifled by anxiety and like doing what you can to put anxiety in its place like will allow you to do the self-expression you have so much anxiety about not being able to do you know it's like (laughs) you have to kind of do a little bit of twist around your ego for that one but um it's it's really interesting i mean i think that there are a lot of like getting down to business cards like going on (laughs) over here it's like you know just like get down to it i think there's like a lot of inspiration motivating cards there's a lot of cards that that speak to other worlds and other windows that are worth exploring and that fear or preoccupation with um like this mortal coil or whatever is like it it shuts doors like it it shuts them it keeps you too afraid of walking through them um so i think that's like overwhelmingly like what's coming through um for me yeah (laughs) yeah that totally totally relate yeah very interesting it's so interesting just the I don't know. I mean, I guess, you know, I mean, it's like my one aspect of my brain wants to say like the I'm projecting. And, and I mean, I, we can we kind of talked about it. it's like I'm projecting my experience and my meaning onto these images or it's pulling out. You know what I mean? It's latching onto these kind of 
these ideas that are inside me, mm-hmm. which I think is just super interesting how it all kind of relates together. It's like how much of that is, you know what I mean? What is the, what's the drive, what's driving that? Is it, is it all my mind that's doing this or, you know what I mean? Is there something else? It's kind of interesting just how sort of apropos each of these cards are and how they all fit together. And it's just a random draw, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Does that make sense? It does, yeah. And I think that to answer your kind of like thoughts about that, um, I mean, I think that at the end of the day, the kind of tarot that I'm into does not concern itself with either one. It's like whether or not I've projected everything. Yeah. Or whether or not this is like a message from God that I've gotten from these cards. <laughs> like like if you're looking at it from two extremes, like right. it doesn't really matter. What does matter is how it's influencing me right now to make different decisions about my future. Like yeah. and and how it is helping me shape my own self-perception and self-awareness and helping myself, like giving myself tools to like think about myself in a different way. If that's the only thing I got out of it, that would be everything I needed. You yeah. know what I mean? So that's like it's kind of cool to, I mean, it's definitely a cool question to like pick up and look right. at be like, you know, is this just my brain or like, is this, is there something else to this? Um, I think the coolest part of that is like either way, like even if you can't answer that question, you've already gotten out of it yeah. what you wanted to. Yeah. And I mean, I, I'm not even necessarily saying that that part is relevant, but that's just kind of like, I don't know. I just find that fascinating. Oh, it's don't, like, definitely. you know what I mean? Where's that, where's that line drawn? Yeah. And it's really interesting that, you know, I mean, you can find so many connections to these images at random right? that all can kind of tie back in, into who you are or something. Right. And I think that that also speaks to just like something that's very human. Like humans are very good at making meaning out of things that right. don't necessarily have any meaning. Like Jesus printed on a piece of toast out of the toaster, you know, <laughs> like it's right. It's it, it, it's it's funny, but it's also like so true. Like we all do it. Yeah, to like we definitely degree. seek that. I mean, I think we're maybe aside from being tool makers or what have you. It's like we seek patterns. We project patterns mm-hmm. we're meaning on, makers, onto yeah. everything. Exactly. Yeah. So, and that's what I that's what I love about reading tarot because I love like co creation of meaning, and I love um, I love connecting the dots. I love pattern finding. Like that's definitely something I'm into. So it's like. That's why I love tarot is because it's like makes it so easy, you know. It just yeah, makes it so much fun. I think it's an interesting tool for getting you to. It's like the cards are. It's a different way to. I almost equate it to like talk therapy. For example, it's kind of like pulling out. You know what I mean? It's getting you to talk about yourself and, um, you know what I mean? That unconscious mind and elements of yourself that I think is interesting. And maybe it's, you know, there's some element of like it being helpful, right. Mm -hmm. To just talk (laughs) to someone about your feelings. Cause I don't, you know, I don't think that I do that to be, (laughs) to be going I don't have a lot of people I can talk to my, to about my real feelings. So, Mm -hmm. um, I think that's another interesting, like layer of the whole experience. If that makes sense. I don't know. Oh, definitely. I mean, that's another reason why I'm like really drawn to this way of reading tarot, why I ask so many questions, like why I make it so collaborative rather than like, here are the cards, here's what it is. Like, because I was also learning tarot at the time that I was a crisis counselor. And so (laughs) I was, you know, learning how to be like a crisis, essentially a crisis therapist in the moment, like, you know, helping people through some of the worst things they've ever gone through, helping them kind of like push through that like really this really critical time where like the mind can be like 
even further destroyed and like the body and spirit be either even further destroyed or like try to set some sort of groundwork to like build healing moving forward it's like you you in you intervene at this like really critical moment and so all that whole time i was learning about techniques to like get people to <clears throat> like open up about their feelings and to like practice in my own self like non-judgment um like all of those things that i was like crafting and like right. learning at the time still very much learning um totally influenced the way I read tarot. And I think that's why a lot of people get a very therapeutic like sensation when they, they read tarot with me. I remember reading tarot. I told you about this reading tarot for someone at the fair once and she immediately burst into tears and told me she loved me. <laughs> and I, you know, this is a woman I had never met before. We've talked for like literally 10 minutes and all of a sudden I've got all of her emotion on me. Yeah. And you know, that's like kind of a hard thing to manage at some point, but then I just, you know, you look at her with compassion. It's like, no one has listened to you in a long time. Like that's like all, and that's all I said to her. I was like, it sounds like no one has listened to you in a long time. And she was like, you're right. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. <laughs> like I think that the moment someone showed her care and an openness and like reaffirming her that her story is valid. Like right. she just broke down completely because I think so many people don't get that. Yeah. And I mean, I, I definitely feel an element of relief just to talk about all of this or the anxiety itself. Right. So just just verbalizing it and whatnot, I think it alone, I definitely have a sense of, you know, it's like, uh, can, can, <laughs> I'm definitely more relaxed now. Good. At the At the very least. See, that's what's so funny when people ask me, like, what do you do if you get the death card? It's like, well, I haven't done my job right if you don't leave the reading feeling a lot more, you know like relaxed, inspired, you know, um, like, like your curiosity has been stimulated. Like that's what I want people to walk away from. So when people say like, oh, I'm too, I'm too afraid of getting the death card. It's just like, well, let me know when you're ready to like work through that and like, right. we'll get there, you know, <laughs> like, we'll we'll totally yeah. get there. Um, maybe not once, but you shouldn't walk away feeling like I'm going to die tomorrow. You know, right. like, that's not what I want people to walk away it's kind of funny that we talked about like that was the main focus of this reading more so and and the card didn't make its way make its way in death itself, which is just yeah. even though it's like you know obviously that's not that's kind of like a a superficial like gut reaction right. by the, like the lay person you know what I mean? But <laughs> well, yeah, because it, it would have been really funny if death made an appearance because this is about death itself. I know. So yeah, he would have exactly. been just like, hey, this right. is about me, right? And you're like, yeah. Like, Let me be in on this conversation here. Right. But we, we got so much more out of it looking at all of these cards because they all showed us like a different component, a different facet of like right. what's going on. And like yeah. being able to pick something up and look at it from all different directions yields something like much more interesting and like much more exciting. And and, it, and, you know, like every little word that I said, you know, and every word that you said started a chain reaction in both of our brains. Like we were both interacting with all ideas and trying to make connections and trying to make value judgments and like trying to create meaning out of something. Um, and so that's like the coolest part of tarot for me. And it, and it all contributes. It's like all everything we've talked about, everything we went fishing for in that well. Um is still there you know like yeah. it's like we've also contributed back to it because we're also tapped into the well like ourselves so we go fishing for things but at the same time we're like bringing things to that water source which is another cool thing about so many water sources being present like in the empress yeah the that is a good point 
I mean, I think that this reading overwhelmingly is saying, like, you have the answer, Cooper. <laughs> Which is what Tarot often tells you. It's like, you know what this is about. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true. Do you have any final thoughts to close this out? I mean, I don't know. I just thought that uh, I really appreciate you encouraging me to do this. Like, not oh, yeah, only I mean... have I wanted to do, like, podcast stuff for a long time, like, it's a really interesting thing to me. I, I've thought a lot about, you know, doing one for my myself to get my own thoughts out there but i also always appreciate like being able to talk about tarot like intellectually and personally um like that's like very rewarding for me yeah i don't pick up the cards nearly as much as i used to partially just because i'm like you know you have the excuse that you're like too busy (laughs) (laughs) right but also i mean i have found that like you know i like novelty when it comes to exploring the self and exploring like my own mind and so i have to do different things to get new to reach new ground um i think that professionally i'm working on that at work like really hardcore because it's like a totally untapped side of myself in a lot of ways but in the past i've done like lots of journaling lots of meditation like um sort of like getting into like more physical activity like walking and exercising to like access different parts of yourself I've definitely taken up like more creative ventures like crochet and like fiber arts and like stuff like that. You know, like there's so many ways that you can uncover new things about yourself and for self-expression. Like right now, this seems like really materialistic, but I've like really tried to like play with like makeup more. Like, I don't know, it it seems like kind of like silly and minor, but I do think that, you know, um, like being artistic with the body and like, you know, like even with my tattoos and stuff is like a new interesting way of pulling things out, going fishing in the well a little bit. Um, yeah, I, I absolutely identify. I think that aesthetics get a little bit of a, you know what I mean? It's like mm-hmm. kind of a short shrift, but it's like, I don't know. It, it feels like people are so locked into these, I guess, the the archetypes of like, this is how you have to wear this or you have to look like this. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. like they internalize that and anytime something is different, that creates like fear or violence, like it's, you know what I mean? People want to react and lash out against that, the other or what have you. But I think it's much more fun and exciting to like, if I'm going to wear clothes, for example, it's like, I want to wear the most interesting clothes that I can. Mm-hmm. Like this is, you know what I mean? It's like, I'm expressing an element of imagination for myself mm-hmm. in that element. You know what I mean? So that absolutely resonates with me too. What I really enjoy about the tarot is i mean i think your approach in particular is super interesting to me because i know that you're pretty you know you're well educated you're rooted in theory and whatnot but yet you have this interest and it's so cool because there's there's i don't know there's the mystery element Mm -hmm. Uh, there's that element that's kind of like there's such a curiosity angle there um the cards themselves physically like the art is incredible it's Mm -hmm. it's beautiful it's very also that mysterious kind of medieval feel to it i don't know there's something about that element of it that i find really fascinating alone just on the like the visuals themselves and the different decks that you've brought today also and i mean i know i've seen some of your other decks and they're just the artwork is so badass (laughs) it's almost like it'd be really cool if you could just like have a huge matted thing of an Mm -hmm. entire deck laid out like that would be (laughs) something cool to have i mean yeah i definitely you know Etsy has got like prints galore, like blown up prints of different cards. Uh, yeah. Definitely, like some of my favorite artists will, will do that. And I, 
I've never pulled the trigger because it's usually, you know, like at the time when I was really in it here, it was more money than I could spend at the time. But like, I, I completely agree with what you've said about aesthetics too, just to kind of bring it back to that, that um, like people, it's so funny that people give it such a short shrift, yet they are also obsessed with aesthetics. Right, it's like, what are you it. doing? I, I don't understand what you're doing, but I have an immediate reaction to it. You right. know what I mean? But it's it's so like this trivial, this quote unquote trivial thing like it creates a strong emotion in the in people you know what i mean it does and it's so funny because it's like you also engage with aesthetics like even if right. you don't realize yeah, it's it. just like you're you're very being very, very strict with <laughs> right it's like but you you just want to engage with aesthetics in a certain type of way and yeah. you don't want to engage with it in any you know you don't want to push the boat out at all which is fine but like it, at the same time it's like there is a whole world out there of, you know, pushing yourself, not only with like your physical person, like with clothes, makeup, hair, and like all that stuff, but also with like the art that you like include in your home, like things that you like shows you attend, like it's all, it all influences the ego. It all influences the person like, that you right. are, like the things that you surround yourself with, um, the movies you watch, like the TV shows you watch, like the, like even I, I do something really as simple as changing the background on my phone and my computer once a week because I want to be influenced by something new right. regularly. Yeah, that makes sense. And like, I want to be exposed to different art. You know, even if like I have to look at my computer for my job 40 hours a week, like I want it to look cool, you know? Yeah, like, no, uh, I agree. So it's it's just so interesting to, to dive into it that way. And I definitely, definitely resonate with tarot because of the aesthetic, because of the artistic freedom and structure. It's almost like a sonnet, you know? Like there's a there's a structure like you have to come up with these a certain amount of cards and like this certain type of way but the freedom within it is so yeah. interesting and that creates like an, a new art form in and of itself so i definitely like just to kind of cap off my thoughts would love to encourage anyone listening like you know click around like go to eclectic.net you know go to your like your local occult shop like i know that austin has several um, my hometown that which was really small had at least two which was like kind of wild to think about but, um, you know, you'll definitely find like different types of tarot cards there. Like I wouldn't recommend one or the other, like, you know, in, in terms of like any kind of recommendation, I think you just pick up the cards and like, if it speaks to you for whatever reason, you should get it, you know, like you should play with them, put them out. Like, don't worry about being perfect. Um, like, I guess just to try to encourage anyone who's like interested in a tarot from listening to this or like has been in the past, like definitely like play, like read if that's your thing into it like learn the history if that's your thing um there are several podcasts out there about tarot that are really cool like lots of people kind of creating content online that's like really easy to access um you know i just encourage everybody to like approach it like with what works for you um it, it's it's such a nice versatile thing in that way like there's no there's really no rules in, in my opinion to tarot so you know you can just approach it the way you want to i know not everybody feels that way but like i'm especially when you first start out, like I definitely encourage, you know, just go pick up a deck and like see what happens. Like, you know, don't think about it too hard. Like just, just throw them down and like see yeah. how you feel. Nice. I think that's a good way to wrap up for the day. Um, like I said, I'm definitely feeling less anxiety. Like <laughs> it's definitely noticeable just in being able to, uh, I guess, verbalize those, those things, those elements of myself. But uh, this has definitely been fun. Um, it's super interesting. You're so knowledgeable about it just i thank you again for agreeing to come on and do this because i know it's kind of kind of a pain but not at all yeah, we did thank, it thank you for having me I yeah had a lot absolutely of fun. so once again jennifer cox our 
our resident, uh, uh, well, no, I won't even say that. I was going to say resident <laughs> occultist, but I don't want to, I don't want to narrowly <laughs> define you as that. Um, you have so much to offer. So thanks for listening guys. <laughs>